Hello, and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. On the other line, the the much-adored guest of this show, frequent guest of this show, Hunter Heilman. Welcome Someone back, say sir. Too frequent. Hi. Yeah. I, you know, I've never Who heard that. Who would say it? Who would it, say it? You're not supposed to agree with me. To, to be honest, if anything, I get people saying that why there's not enough Hunter on this oh podcast. Oh my god! Now, who said that? Because I know they don't exist. I know you might have been. You were trying to tell me. I, the truth I the have first to time. say, when I went out to like Los Angeles to visit my my cousin and his wife, and I like asked them, like, do you guys have any any show suggestions? They were like, more Hunter. Uh, I'd spend this chair around if I had enough uh, enough room, but I don't. Well, Hunter, we're we're nearing the end of summer of summer movie season. You and I have been catching up on some stuff. This is kind of a weird episode that's going to come out because I'm in the process of finishing up moving. So this episode will do until you know whenever the the next episode this is kind of like an episode that's working for two weeks instead of a weekly show well so, you're not gonna have me under talk about candy man oh wait no well this was last week well hmm. not, i mean i'd say there's nothing out this weekend there i sadly do not. have a guest for candy man fuck you but oh, sorry <laughs> any candy man conversation you can halt and just sort of you'll you'll be back for plenty of horror movies i'm pretty sure there'll be opportunity to talk about candy man I mean, I hope. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if they last minute canceled the release, even though I already have tickets. Oh. I still have my No Time to Die ticket in my phone from last April. Well, on on that note, I mean, you know, for those living here in the United States, I mean, things appear to be kind of moving backwards a little bit due to the Delta variant. And a few movies have moved their release dates. Thankfully, it's only been Clifford the Big Red Dog and Venom Let There Be Carnage, which I'm pretty positive I'm going to die on the I'm hill. I'm only of those devastated movies about don't... one of those, and it's not the one you think. Well, I was going to say, I'm going to die on the hill of neither one of those movies is real and doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing with Clifford. None of us are in the target demographic for it, and yet I grew up with it. So there's a part of me that's just like... I don't care that it breaks canon and that they're not on Birdwell Island and that he was only a puppy uh, when they were in the city. But, you know, it's fine. Whatever. I'm, this I'm is the origin sh- story. I Yeah, but here's the thing. If you're a real fan, you would have watched Clifford's Puppy Days, which was another spinoff show that goes into why they moved away, which was what he became too big. But in the movie, they seem to be perfectly fine living in New York with a big ass dog, which I'm sorry. I've looked at apartment listings. A lot of them do not let you do that. So like, I don't know what kind of money Emily Elizabeth's family has. I don't even know if that's her name in the movie. I don't know. I feel like this aren't, is a movie they that firemen? I... Am I remembering that correctly? No. I, I, this, this shows how long it's been since I've read any Clifford books. Oh, I watched the show. I mean, I think I might have read a couple of the books, but oh, I love that show. It still comes on PBS Kids sometimes because my grandma, my grandma, she likes putting on kids shows. It's very pleasing to her. And sometimes she puts that on and it takes me right on back. And that movie will either be lovely or it will ruin it for me. But at the same time, I'm not the audience, so I'm just going to shut up about it. Well, so how you how you how you been feeling about the uh, the summer movie season of 2021, and how do you feel as we're moving into the fall? Um, upon the advice of counsel, I must uh, decline to answer your question based on my rights on the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution. 
um, because I don't have much that's super kind to say. Um, I kind of thought I kind of think the summer has sort of sucked, but I'm I'm really looking forward to what hopefully is going to be, you know. I'm I'm maybe a little bit more positive than most of. I don't think we're gonna get back to full lockdowns, but I think we're gonna reach a point where people are just gonna have to, you know, be well, ostracized to, from society if they're I was not say, vaccinated. It's gonna have to be vaccine mandates. If not, I mean, I don't know what we're gonna do, but like, you yeah. know, it's just on a yeah. more positive note. I I I I think this fall is going to be a fun slate of fall movies. At least oh, a lot absolutely. of like. This fall feels like what I wish this past. I mean, I understand for a variety of different reasons the summer yep. wasn't going to feel like that. But this fall feels like, you know, there's there's some cool kind of art house festival stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about yep. on the show. But there's there's a lot of like really big event movies this fall that like I'm really excited about. Like I'm I'm as much as the Dune Twitter discourse kind of makes me laugh sometimes, I'm I'm excited for Dune. I'm excited for House of Gucci. Oh my um, God, they played a trailer for that today in front of Respect and the old couple next to me that ended up driving me absolutely crazy throughout the entire thing. They sat right next to me in a completely empty theater of reserved seats. But I remember at one point she went, oh, honey, we need to go see that. And I was like, they have good taste. And then the movie started. And I was like, I want you guys to die, but it's cool. We got a new James Bond movie. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking a trailer this, for that too. This this fall looks fun. I think. What? But... Okay. What are we? What are they going to do about No Time to Die? Because if things, <laughs> if we are on this trajectory, if things do, if if let's assume the worst, let's assume that they're not going to get any shit together. What does MGM do? Because they don't have. I don't think they have the money to push it back again. But I don't think they have the money to risk that much money on a huge flop. I don't want to see it flop, but I also don't want to see it on streaming. But like, are, are people even interested in it anymore? I don't know. I'm so, I don't envy them right now. But like, I I I think it'll make money. I that if that, that seems was, like a that seems like a fall like blockbuster. I'm million dollars though. It's like one of the most expensive movies ever made. That's true. Are they gonna gamble that really? I don't know. But at the same time, can they do that again? Do they have the the wherewithal to actually do that? I don't know. Yeah, I'm a little bit more optimistic of people braving the movie theaters to go see something like that as opposed to I don't know. As cool as I think Dune looks, I'm I'm. I'm. I have a little faith in the the common like moviegoer to be like that looks cool. I'm gonna go see that. <laughs> well, especially and I mean like whatever your thoughts on it are kind of irrelevant. I think when it comes to something a little bit more, I guess risky in terms of your value. And I granted with film people like us, it's probably going to be like we we know that we're probably not risking our dollar by going to see it. No, we know that we're probably going to enjoy it in an ideal circumstance, but most people don't really, especially because the trailers haven't been pushing like from the director of arrival and Blade Runner 2049 or whatever. They haven't been pushing that. They really haven't been pushing the cast too heavily, which I kind of appreciate, but like if they don't really know what it is, especially because of the HBO max deal, I think a lot of people are going to be watching it at home. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll, and I, that's we'll have just to unfortunate. see. I would say we'll have to see. Things could get a lot better by then. Things could be a lot worse. If it's still the same, I just don't. I don't anticipate it having a big box office return, but I do anticipate a lot of people watching it. 
Yeah, it's it's notable to me that kind of like October feels like the big floodgate month of just yeah. like I don't I I made kind of an outline for the next I, four yeah, months I of the show. Out what I'm gonna see and because there's a lot happening that month. I'll just warn you, October is insane of just the amount of like forget like small art house or independent stuff like the amount of just big movies that are coming out in October. Yeah, I is... mean, No Time to Die. There's uh, Halloween. There's venom there's dune there's the last night in soho mm-hmm. there's like there's just so much and yeah like, the wet the wes anderson movie even though that that oh, is a little bit right. more art house but you know will be an event in of itself people i mean it'll spread to smaller theaters like they always do yeah and people will go see it if it gets good reviews which obviously we know it has pretty decent reviews because it can yeah and we'll probably honestly go up because the can crowd's really tough to please that's true well, until then, um, you and I caught up with a variety of different movies this this past week. Um, you saw Respect to the Aretha Franklin biopic, as well as saw Don't Breathe 2. I caught up with Free Guy, the Ryan Reynolds video game movie, as well as the Leo Carrick's musical Annette. Um, I'm really fascinated to hear what you think of the two movies you saw, because these are kind of teetering on a line of like... I don't know. Do I really want to see these? I'm kind of not sure, which is sort of why I didn't go out and see them this past weekend. Um, So especially respect because the idea of Jennifer Hudson playing Aretha Franklin seems really appealing to me, but I, I have to, I have to make a confession, which I feel like, you know, this, but the music biopic is my least favorite genre. In, in all of movies, when people ask me, like, what kind of movies do you like? I typically have to say, you know, I'm, I like to be open-minded. I like all kinds of movies, you know, everything from the costume period piece to the, like, just gross, disgusting horror movie. But I, I pretty much with maybe, like, one or maybe two exceptions, probably except for Walk the Line, I pretty much don't like any music biopics. So, I don't know. Well, how, how, would, how would you say uh, Respect is? Okay, so I think respect is aggressively adequate. I think it's fine. I don't think it, like, in terms of music biopic notes, it hits mm-hmm. every single one of them pretty much. It, it runs the, the Dewey Cox. Yeah, pretty much. I like the reason to see it mm-hmm. is Jennifer Hudson. She is wonderful absolutely transcendent can see her getting nominated for an oscar it's that type of movie where i think she i don't know if she'll win but like definitely some like major buzz around her and rightly so i think it's mm-hmm. it, it is a very good performance and what i like about it a lot is that she really disappears into it it's not super flashy it's not rami malik as as freddie mercury with the fucking teeth there's still a jennifer hudsonness about her they're not caking her under a ton of makeup to have her look exactly like aretha they're not digitizing her voice or like just dubbing her over so it sounds like aretha it still sounds like jennifer hudson it still looks like jennifer hudson but it's everything else around it that kind of comes together the story it's pretty much what you expect it it is a pretty narrow period of time from her childhood up until 1972. That's when the film cuts off at because you kind of know everything else from there. But um, it digs a lot into her childhood and her relationship with her father and all that. Um, And obviously uh, 
her demons that she fights, mostly alcoholism and things of that nature, but uh, as well as domestic abuse, it, 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 it hits a lot of the, the points. And honestly, it does sometimes wear a little thin in that it is a two and a half hour long movie, but luckily it does focus so heavily on Jennifer Hudson and doesn't try to weigh you down with like a massive ensemble cast that mm-hmm. for the most part, it generally works. I think um, the direction is largely uninspired. I would say like it's, I mean, I looked the director, Weasel Tommy, this is her first, like, I think major, movie everything else she's done has been television and you can kind of tell gotcha it definitely is one of those movies that i watched it and i was like why do i have to be at a theater to watch this other than that mgm was the one who produced it um so how did you watch the uh the cynthia revo series like how would this compare to oh okay well that was gonna be my next question because i didn't watch that either see i didn't watch it for a couple of reasons one um cynthia revo doesn't always rub me the right way i have a lot of black friends who are uh not too enthused with the way in which she talks about uh the black community and things like that and i always tend to listen to them i don't really have much of an opinion on it but like i like to listen to to what people say but also aretha's estate didn't sign off on it which on one hand i don't necessarily care about i don't need a family to be like yes we love this because i think a lot of times things can get a little hidden under like glitz and glam and gloss and shit um so i don't know how her performance fared but she couldn't they couldn't have any of aretha's music in that show oh it's the same way of that Bowie biopic that came out like earlier this year or whatever. The one what? with Johnny, the one with Johnny Flynn in it. They couldn't get Bowie music for I, it. I didn't know this existed, but that oh, it's like a small, it's like a small me. IFC release. Okay. It, I've heard it was absolutely awful, and so I've heard that Arrivo's good in it, but to me, so much of this movie is based is is the music mm-hmm. because you really can't fully understand aretha without hearing aretha's music you can be like oh yeah she has a great voice she has all this but all all you're hearing are her doing covers of stuff which is established in this movie that is kind of what took her so long to take off it was it was until her like ninth or tenth album that she had like a charted hit so um you know there is just a lot a lot there that i think you lose without the music and i think this movie it doesn't rely on it it's certainly not like a bohemian rhapsody or i mean even a rocket man in the sense of how rocket man integrates it in the story it's still very much so just a drama film with right. music intertwined um yeah i mean i i don't know how to directly compare it i will say there are a few parts i think most of it kind of plays out just so safely and like risk-free that i can't really be mad at it but i also can't fully commend it i will say a lot of people have been complaining about its cinematography that it's like really dull and kind of dark mm-hmm. i kind of actually liked it because it felt a little bit more intimate and a little bit more gritty than like a normal music biopic okay. i can see why people wouldn't like that but i kind of dug it it's not it's not a pretty film at all but like i don't think it needed to be it's not always covering pretty things um did, did you see the um the Aretha Franklin documentary, the it, Amazing it, Grace. Yeah, the concert film that um was, was essentially like, like 
yeah, lost for at least similar mm-hmm. to I don't know if you got a chance to see Summer of Soul uh on on hulu the quest love movie but like a similar thing it's fabulous of this like the the aretha movie amazing grace if you haven't seen it like similar to summer of soul of this Mm -hmm. like amazing concert footage that just like people sat on for decades and decades and then finally got released and you're like they touch on it how how who who didn't want to put this out (laughs) well they so they touched on it in the film Mm -hmm. like in respect it's actually not a spoiler it is the end of the film is when she records that um and what happened was she wanted to do a gospel album her label was like gospel we don't really know about that like it's it's the 70s people want funk they want disco they want like all of this stuff and she was like no i want to do gospel album it was kind of her like coming out of like really deep alcoholism and things Mm -hmm. like that and they were like, okay, well, what if we get, like, a documentary team to, like, shoot it and we can release it alongside with it to, like, kind of get people to understand, like, how important gospel music is to you. Well, what happened was the film messed up as they were filming it and the audio and video were unsynchronized. And back then oh. you couldn't fix that. Yeah. There was no digital way to fix that. So it wasn't until, like, 2007 that they fixed it. And then when they tried to release it, Aretha's family kept suing them. And then once Aretha died, her family was like, go ahead, you're good now. But, um, I mean, I haven't, I personally haven't seen it. I really want to now, now that it's, I've seen, I've seen what it was. And I'm like, yeah, it is, it is pretty, um, spectacular. I listened, I listened to the, <laughs> the album on the way home. I've been singing Aretha stuff all day. It's, I mean, that's one thing of like, if this movie was just an elaborate ploy for me to listen to Aretha Franklin on Spotify, I mean, they kind of, they kind of like it succeeded. The, the credits are going up, <laughs> produced by Spotify, and you're like, literally, those, I've those been guys. singing, <laughs> I've been singing like "Say a Little Prayer for You" all day now. At this point, uh-huh. and it's like I know it's not going to get out of my head until I like listen to it 15 times on Spotify. And at that point, like they got their money out of me. But you know, it's very. I mean, it is very obvious that this is a movie that is kind of like signed off on by Aretha's family. I mean, shit, Aretha was the one who cast. Jennifer Hudson. I was about to say that's that's the one thing I sort of knew yeah. about the movie is that she before she died yeah. like handpicked Jennifer Hudson to yeah. play her a in long movie. time ago actually Jennifer yeah. Hudson was a lot younger it just took a long time to to come to fruition which like the scenes where Aretha is 17 and 18 years old are a little bit like <laughs> come on but also at the same time I'm glad they didn't cake her under makeup yeah I'm glad they didn't Jared Leto and House of Gucci her like I'm you know they're just kind of they're like listen we know what you're here for. We know you're just here to see Jennifer Hudson and we're not going to try to hide her from you. We might not tell you explicitly how old she's supposed to be in the scene, but you can figure it out. Um, But yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, Jennifer Hudson's great. Obviously she is the reason to see it. I wouldn't necessarily say go out and rush to it in theaters. There's not much. I think that's like visual or even honestly sound design heavy enough to justify a theater experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Forrest Whitaker's really good in it. He plays her dad, um, and I I liked him. And then I got on the Wikipedia page afterwards, and I was reading up, and it turns out they conveniently left out the part where, um, as a preacher, he impregnated a 12-year-old member of the church um, outside of his marriage, and they just conveniently left that plot point out of the Whoops. film. But, it, but it's fine. It's cool. It's, it's chill. Um, that was one thing I was like, oh there's that family coming through saying we don't want that in the film 
Um, but I mean, other than that, it's just safe. It's not, it's not amazing, but she, Jennifer Hudson's amazing. Jennifer Hudson singing Aretha is amazing. And like that in and of itself. I mean, if you don't see it, at least listen to the I'll, soundtrack. I'll, I'll check it out once it's available to rent. At least I have to a feeling have... it'll be a pretty quick turnaround probably. Yeah. I think... Or at least to talk about her in the context of next year's Awards. Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's certainly not wasted time, but it's also not like, oh they reinvented the music picture genre it's like no it's still very much so a music biopic and i am getting actually i'm not getting i've been very tired of it but this one i think has enough to justify itself even if it doesn't like distinctly announce itself beyond its main performance well i guess the second thing i want to ask you about is is don't breathe too okay i have to go thank you (laughs) bye-bye i can't do this (laughs) So I I only wanted to ask you because um I had not seen the first Don't Breathe before. I think it just came out at like a weird time when I like wasn't seeing movies in the theater. And so I caught up with it this past week and then I saw that you had caught up with it. I fucking love it so much. It's I love so it. good. I love it so much. I think Fede Alvarez is on some Ari Aster like major level that people just aren't recognizing because both of his films have been studio releases from like lower Sony companies and his first movie was a remake so of course everyone's going to be like on his ass about like Wait, did did he not do the the crocodile movie from a few years ago? Am I thinking of the wrong person? No, that's that's Alexandra Aja. Oh. He so Alexandra Aja, he did um like Hills Have Eyes, he did High Tension, oh. he did that. So he did Crawl, which okay. is again, however, I kind of like the alligator movie. I fucking love the alligator movie. It's, it was one of the best movies of that summer. Um, Cause it's lean, mean way. does not waste your time and gets the job done exactly the same way that don't breathe does. Yeah. Excellently. E- easy of how I was able to just sort of just for we- so whatever weird reason, assume it was the same person. But... Well, do you want to know why? Uh, oh boy. Well, no, it, it's, oh. it's a legitimate thing. You're actually, I mean, not, it's, it's like they're friends. Not, you're not there. You're not right, but you're not wrong. Like in that, um, Sam Raimi produced both of their films. Sam oh, Raimi produced okay. Crawl, and then he also produced um, Evil Dead, and, and then he developed breathe. and then developed a relationship with Ghost House and okay. like all that. So, um, so yeah. So, so Fede Alvarez has done. He did Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. That was his first film, and then he did Don't Breathe, and then he did Girl in the Spider's Web, the, uh... the fourth Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movie, which. I fuck with. I love that series, and I think it's genuinely a good movie. Um, I but at the same time, I can kind of understand why people weren't crazy about it. But at least it's well directed. I forgot that happened. A lot of people did, and I, I, I just I think it's worth a shot because I mean it has a great cast. I mean Claire Foy, Lakeith Stanfield, Sylvia Hooks, like great, great cast in it. Um, not I mean obviously nowhere near as good as the Fincher one, but. still good he was a great choice for director because he has that like can shoot prestige style stuff but still have that bite that the girl with the dragon tattoo series i think really works with yeah there's Um, a lot of like i I would say like panic room and don't breathe is a really fun double feature yes yeah ironically actually now that i think about it um so yeah, great double feature. Um, I love Don't Breathe. I think it is, it's such a perfect compliment to Evil Dead, which was like, it's scary, but it's not super tense, but it's incredibly gory. Mm-hmm. And, but it's all practical effects too. He used like no CGI in it at all. He used like 
hundreds of thousands of gallons of blood for it. It was amazing. <laughs> and then Don't Breathe was kind of the opposite of like, it's scary, but it's not that gory. It's just incredibly tension riddled. Yeah, and one one of the scarier movies of the last five or six ten years. years. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it came out five years ago, so. Okay. Um, but yeah, and I think like, it just, it was just one of those surprise movies where it was like everyone is good in it, but particularly obviously like Stephen Lang was the reason that people were, you know, going crazy over it. Cause he was quiet and very like off putting, but then did some shit where you were like, Oh, Oh no, no, you'll, you'll no, never no. look at a Turkey baster no, the same way no, again. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like it's certainly like this does, this movie doesn't have to be gory to get under my skin. Like, and it's, it, it, perfectly compliments i think evil dead and that he can do both and he's just like and what mm-hmm. like you know so don't breathe too so let's you know what let's set the scene i think we all know that a lot of times horror sequels um just don't always live up because i think what you anticipate is that it's a studio wanting to do it and a lot of times you're losing the director behind the first one or the writer or certain producers depart the project, etc., And it becomes just kind of a hollow shell of itself. Don't breathe too. Even though it's not directed by Fede Alvarez, it's directed by Rodo Sayagas, which is Fede Alvarez's like writing and producing partner. He wrote, don't breathe with Fede Alvarez and okay. produced it and wrote evil dead with Fede Alvarez and produced it and wrote the screenplay or produced girl in the spider's web with him. So, and then Fede Alvarez still wrote this film with Roto Sayagas and produced it with Sam Raimi. So I was like, Boots, cool. You pretty much, like, have me down. Because, like, I trust your friend to do a serviceable job of taking your place. But as long as you're writing it, as long as I can see your stamp there, go for it. So then the trailer comes out a month and a half before release, which should have been red flag number one. But I was just like, you know what? Maybe they just want a quick marketing turnaround. It's been COVID. COVID's been crazy. You, you, who knows? Sony's been struggling. And this was like their one movie they didn't like sell to Amazon or something. Um, and the trailer came out and I was, it was like focusing on him? Yeah, I kind of, that's the thing that kind of like threw me off like once, especially once I went back and watched the first one, I was like, wait so in a second one they're gonna try and make me like root for the like monstrous villain of the first movie well then fede alvarez put out some tweets of like hey i know you guys have these concerns about the film that we're trying to like empathize with him or like trying to make him a protagonist and i promise you we're not when you see the film you're gonna see he's really not the protagonist i'd be goddamned if he's not the fucking protagonist of that movie he is it, it, it just everything about it is wrong it is wrong on so many levels from the fundamental morals of the film of you're f- now focusing on this person mm-hmm. and trying to get me to root for him and shoving a kid in there to try to get me to like him yeah here's the great thing here's uh, something that has never failed in a movie sequel add a kid see how that goes <laughs> See how people respond to that shit. No, don't ever add a kid to it. Sure, she's cute. She's she's spunky. She's all this. But what? This sounds it's like, like someone taking the wrong lesson from like Terminator 2 of like James Cameron being literally. like <laughs> being like, you know what? The Arnold Schwarzenegger well, Steve, character is kind of good. Stephen oh. Lang produced it this time too, so he might have come off of Avatar being like, "Hey, oh. when Jim Cameron did that, can we do that with mine?" I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure he had nothing to do with that. But like 
I just don't get it. I don't get why they thought that that was a good idea to go in that direction even slightly. Why not just like follow another group of people who get fucked the fuck up by him? Like that he is terrifying and it's just like they plays it eight years in the future and now he is suddenly in possession of a child that he just found. Is he and raping now, that one? No. Par- he's partial not. spoiler for Don't Breathe. No, but. <laughs> he's not. He's literally just like raising her like a survivalist, and that's it. And there's no there's not a single reference to the first film in there. Mm-hmm. They don't mention anything. It's just like you want you genuinely want us to forget that this man was holding a girl in his basement who was pregnant with his child to replace his child and then tried to impregnate the protagonist to have that baby once she died. Once he killed her. Mm-hmm. What? I don't get this it. It sounds like the most misguided movie it's ever. Literally every step of the way, it's wrong. It's awful. It's fugly. It I mean, granted, let's be real here. Don't breathe Don't Breathe One was an ugly movie. But like he used that to its advantage. It's, it's a stylish, grimy movie. Yes. And like, especially like I think of like that scene in the basement where they're shooting it in infrared where they can't see anything. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. There's nothing that of that in here. It's all too fucking dark. It's the performances in it. Stephen Lang, bless his heart, he does what he can. He did fine. It's really not that terrible. The screenplay's awful. I don't know who, like, I say I don't know who wrote it. I know exactly who wrote it, but I don't know what was possessing them when they wrote it. Unless they just did it in, like, a week. I don't understand. However, that's fine. Everyone else... Including the kid. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, little girl. I don't know your name. I didn't look you up beforehand. They're awful. Brandon Sexton Jr. as the man in- main antagonist of, like, the thugs that are breaking into his house. And now it's, like, from the other side, which is nowhere near as fun. It's not fun when everyone else is stupider, weaker, and slower than the antagonist who is now the protagonist. Mm-hmm. There's, It's no fun when they're not, like, I don't want to root for them. And then we just like get into this whole subplot of like i don't want to spoil it but like it's just like weird it turns into like like a weird version of annie near the end of like 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 a musical yeah like annie like like where her parents take her but they end up not really being her parents but they're like she like wants to go back to like the 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 person that I don't know. I don't know why not, I don't want to spoil it, but like it's just weird and it goes on. It's like 98 minutes long. The first one was like 88 and it was yeah, fine. Yeah, very short. It, it cut to the chase super quickly, got that shit done and you were out the door in like 80 minutes. This one went on way too long. It was like an hour and 40 for no reason. The screenplay is awful. The performances are awful. It's not scary. The shift in perspective doesn't work, and on just a moral level, it's just repugnant of just like, "Uh uh-uh. You don't get to tell me that I have to root for this guy. And like, then the ending is fucking stupid. Like, it just nothing works. Absolutely nothing works about it. It's a terrible film, and it breaks my heart because I love the first one so much. And it's not even like a direct-to-DVD shitty sequel kind of broken heart because if that were the case if it just like released if it was just a stage six movie that released on vod just drop randomly if stephen lang needed a paycheck and some director for hire did it Mm -hmm. i would not feel that bad 
honestly. But the fact that, like, it is so closely tied to Fede Alvarez is immeasurably disappointing. And that I went in kind of expecting a similar effort output, maybe not even in direction, but mm-hmm. just in general competence of storytelling. And that was not here. Someone lied to her several times that told her she was fly, hot, sexy, and cute. And she's nothing like that. She's nothing of the sort. Um, it's just terrible. It's awful. Don't see it. I wouldn't even, honestly, I wouldn't even watch it whenever it even comes to streaming anywhere because it's genuinely not worth your time. Even if it's well, free. I'll, I'll, I'll pass. And I'm glad yeah. I spent uh, my money on other things. Well, I think now that, we're done with those. Um, I guess I'll leave it up to you of like, do you have anything you need to ask me about Annette or specifically Free Guy? I don't I kind of don't know how to talk about Free Guy because I I sort of like left the movie with a bit of just a shrug and I don't know whether it's because I I I kind of have an allergic reaction to Ryan Reynolds, although it, it is so much. He 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 is more charming here than i think he is in like the deadpool movies which kind of irritate me yeah i also don't know if my problem with it is i'm not a video gamer and like i have zero interest in video game culture i am and i feel like that's the reason i'm not into it because i feel like it just looked like it was a very vague generalization of like gaming culture but also i'm not into the big gaming culture of like playing games online and things like that i'm much more like a single player story mode type of person so like i i yeah so here's my question what's the fucking deal with it because i thought it looked horrible and then all of these reviews came out saying like hey it's actually pretty good but I don't know if I want to waste my time to go see it. I was going to go see it. But then when we were talking, I was like, you know what? Let me go see Respect. Let's get some more things out there. Because I was going to yeah. go see it because I have a, they're playing it in 3D in some places. And I ain't seen a movie in 3D in a minute. I was like, I kind of want to go see that. But now I'm just like, no. Even I, with yeah, all I don't, the good reviews, I was still just kind of like, I don't I don't Have the I reviews been that? This, this, is, this is my confusion is like. You know, I guess I guess the reviews have been mostly positive, and it's partially what I brought up of like maybe I'm just not, maybe this was just a collection of things I fundamentally don't care about, and then so the ending result was just like yeah, I still don't care about these things. Eighty-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. What? Yeah. I mean, I guess Rotten Tomatoes doesn't really mean anything. That's okay, like let's people go to Metacritic. Getting, that's like people getting a gun to their head and being like, "Would you see?" It this? has a ninety-five percent approval rating from audiences, though. It has a 62 on Metacritic, which is still good. That's the exact same. Yeah. It's the same as Respect. Yeah. Which, like, they are very different breeds of film. Also, the fact that Don't Breathe has a 46, Don't Breathe 2 has a 46 on Metacritic and, like, a 52 on Rotten Tomatoes makes me sick. Y'all are some sick people. <laughs> I I get why people hate. Maybe, maybe that's the reason enough of what of the 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 free guy love. I I don't know. I, I kind of get walked... why people hate critics now. Like y'all are just nasty. I I I I kind of just like got to the end of free guy and was just like I. It was it was another case of seeing a movie this summer that got a lot of hype and a lot of enthusiasm behind it and then i saw it did not feel the hype and enthusiasm suicide and was squad. a little like suicide squad oh is that how you felt about suicide squad I, so you're saying i like suicide squad but i i don't love it i oh think it i mean like i don't insane. i don't i don't think it's a masterpiece but i that's at least like or one of the like Green night okay yeah that's understandable I wasn't but a fan. i yeah 
Um, yeah, I I like the Suicide Squad movie. That's at least I like one. Of, I enjoy. That's it, at least one like, of the better blockbusters I've seen this summer. Where I was like, this isn't a masterpiece, but I had. Much. Yeah, I mean, it's saying it's, just like it's free... saying a lot, but it's also not much because what else do you have to compare it to? Jungle Cruise or um, Black Widow, which Black Widow was fine, but like mm. Suicide Squad was better. But yeah, I mean. What a, I don't know. Oh, I just I just got to the I end of Free Guy, and it was another one of those feelings of like, have we been robbed of the experience of going to the movies for so long that we're 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 grading a little bit on a curve, or or we're being a little bit more forgiving than we normally would? Yeah. Like I I can't remember what the other thing. Maybe it was. I know you kind of like Cruella a bit more than I did, but I, I did I, like Cruella actually. Now that I think about it, Cruella might have been my favorite movie I saw this summer. I can't what? believe that shit. <laughs> no, that yeah. says so much that I just did. I haven't loved a lot of things. Cruella just spoke to me on a very gay level. That's that's fine. Um, but yeah, I don't. I guess for anyone who doesn't know what Free Guy is, because I didn't really know what Free Guy was until I watched it. I was... unfortunately was all too familiar because I saw way too many trailers for it because they've been showing trailers since like last December. See, I've been seeing marketing for it all over the place, but even still, like, I was spending some time with some family a few weeks ago, and we were at, because uh, I think we were going to watch Suicide Squad together, and... Oh, yeah, um, I heard that one great. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you should hear what happened when the uh, Don't Breathe trailer came up. Um, <laughs> there there was some, some, some hands over the eyes, but... Well, I mean, there was that when I was watching it, too, but I wasn't scared. I just didn't want to watch it anymore. <laughs> but uh, essentially, like, an, an ad for Free Guy came up, and none of us were, we were all just like, what is this movie? And I was like, I think it's like the Truman Show, but it's in a video game or something. Like, I've been so confused on, like, what the, the full premise of the movie was. Yeah. And it is kind of like a weird mishmash of so many different things, like, it's a little bit Truman Show. It's a little bit uh, They Live, the John Carpenter movie. Yeah. It's a lot of the Lego movie. Is I think the closest thing it is to. It looked a lot like the Lego movie. Yeah, it had a it had a it had big like Lord Miller energy about it, despite the fact it was a Sean Levy film, which so you know. But I'm, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, essentially the premise is Ryan Reynolds playing a a man who discovers that. He is actually just sort of a. He's an he's an NPC, a non playable character. So just like. The, Thank you for like, knowing the like acronym. Like fodder, just um, <laughs> just roaming around like a GTA type city. That yeah, he's like his shot at his anytime. his world is a video game, and then you. <laughs> um. Why can't I think of her name? So Jodie Comer. This. Thank you. Then you have Jodie Comer from Killing Eve, uh, who love her, but I not enough. She's not she's a, great. Not enough I, to go I hope see she it. becomes a movie star. Um, oh, we can see her on the last duel later this year with her <laughs> and all those bad haircuts. No. Listen, um, at least there's at least there's a better Ridley Scott movie coming out. Actually, I am not 100 percent sure on that. I hope. I hope. We'll has find out. <laughs> She's kind of the protagonist of this movie more than Ryan Reynolds is. Rightly which so. Have you seen is... Killing Eve? I have seen the first season of Killing Eve. Okay, so you get the main gist of it. Cool. So yes. you know that she's like the shit. Cool. Awesome. Yes, I I know that she is. 
you know, she should be one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Yeah. And maybe she can get there soon. I think I, she will. Especially, I, I, I think know. once we'll, Killing we'll, Eve ends. We'll see I if think. anyone really wants to see uh, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and Ridley Scott's yeah. take on the Me Too Did movement. you know that Jodie Comer also played Ray's mom in, um, the La- in Rise of Skywalker? I did because I remember sitting in that theater and turning next to the person I was with and being like, "Is that Villanelle?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I like her a lot, and she also um, has just an incredibly thick Liverpool accent, and I love that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, essentially, the movie is like Judy Colmer is a former game developer who falls in love with the Ryan Reynolds character, but who after he realizes that he's living in a video game and he becomes this like YouTube sensation, but also there's Taika Waititi who is another game developer who's running the video game that Ryan Reynolds is in, but it's a ripoff of a game that Jody Colmer developed. And then what's his face? Steve from stranger things is in there. And he kind of likes, uh, Jody Colmer, but they're kind of friends, but they're kind of not. And they kind of want to be more. What an original (laughs) storyline. I mean, I mean, if if you couldn't tell by me, like motor mouthing, there is a lot of plot in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it definitely like, it seems a lot like the Lego movie and that it's just like, local idiot becomes sentient like yes and it's just like a there's just a catch with it yeah thanks to cool badass woman and there's like yeah egomaniacal corporate guy who's trying to destroy the world and sue for this honestly (laughs) like at this point i think they'd have a good case (laughs) i mean it sounds very similar but also at the same time i like the lego movie so you're not completely not selling me on it a little bit yeah it's like a less funny lego movie yeah and and i i don't know i I would just say that like um you know there is another point in there's a lot of weird commentary in the movie about um you know the the taika waititi character this like big mark zuckerberg like game developer he's wanting to create a sequel to this game but it's going to have all these bugs and he's cutting corners uh kind of okay that's um, actually really timely right now because yeah. of everything happening at like activision and blizzard and their whole um like boys club coming tumbling down which is hilarious. yeah and and so there's there's a lot of like meta jokes about like why don't we give people an original game versus just giving them a sequel and he gives some speech about how ip is king but then this is also a movie that without giving too much spoilers i know what um, happens i've well i mean we can't give spoilers out but i i have seen the 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 cameos uh, yes what i will describe as the um the crossing of the streams from the disney merger from disney fox yeah of like yeah i've heard (laughs) I've heard all of that, which kind of, which like kind of sucks because like that was kind of the thing that was kind of keeping me from completely hating free. The idea of it was like, I mean, it's a blockbuster that's not based on IP. And then I found out there was a lot of IP in it. Actually, it's, it doesn't get to like Ready Player One levels of like it's all member berries, but there is one bit where the movie just kind of like grinds to a halt and is just like, would you like to see what else is in the Magic Kingdom vault? Yeah, and I'm yeah. Mm-mm. And I that was kind of what I feared with a lot of Fox movies is like yeah. they wouldn't give them that um that like 
freedom from Disney, I guess. And like, yeah, so, you know, it's just a little that's kind of frustrating, actually. But like, yeah, at the same time, I I still can I still can see the um the value of it. And I can definitely see, especially with like younger guys, I guess, like mm-hmm. teenage kids who like grew have grown up playing like Fortnite and PUBG I, and all that. I, I was about it to say, I think that's the target so demographic for this movie is like kids who me. play a lot of Fortnite and like watch like, YouTube videos of like people talking of the, about Fortnite. Like they know how to do that dance type thing. But like, I think there's some jokes about that in this movie. That there's just a lot of like kind of like current video game culture jokes and stuff that and i was just, just like is that a reference that feels like a reference I'm, but and i don't I, really I'm care a, I'm understand a huge gamer but i'm not that type of gamer i can't do it i've never played a game of fortnite and i'm proud of that and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna start anytime soon they tempted me with that ariana grande expansion but they didn't get me they said um, come here there, there is one celebrity cameo in this movie that i will say was about 60 percent charming and 40 percent concerning I gotta go to the uncredited section of IMDb. Forty percent concerning in that, like, I haven't seen this person in movies in several years, and I'm a bit like, is this what this person is just doing nowadays? Uh, let's see. Is it? Wait. I'll give you some hints. There, what? there was some some paparazzi photos of him riding around on a bicycle with, I believe, Zoe Kravitz. Oh, him. Oh, that's yeah. right. I did see him. Oh, yeah. Him and, uh, oh, fun. Alex Trebek's in it. I'm sure he's, I mean, I'm sure this is the last thing he's rolling over in his grave about right now. So. It's, it's, you want to know what the Alex Trebek cameo is? It's a, it's, is it a Jeopardy question? It's a Jeopardy clip. <laughs> yeah. That's aged wonderfully. Not even in the fact that he's dead, but in the fact that everything that's going on with it. Now. Everything that's going on with Jeopardy. Oh God, ninjas in it? Gross. I hate them. <laughs> So yeah, I I don't know. I I kind of don't want to like dogpile too much on this movie uh, other than like my as someone who is removed from video game culture, it just sort of felt like an amalgamation of a lot of other elements from other movies I yeah. like more. We're and... not the target demographic here cuz we no. you're not a gamer. I am no. not someone who likes exceedingly earnest things. <laughs> it is exceedingly earnest. There is a very very exceedingly earnest and I am... Truman Show-esque moment and that involving so a Mariah well Carey song. Reynolds, but it just it doesn't it doesn't resonate with me in the same way that it resonates with a lot of other people. And yeah. I think I've accepted that at this point. Um and you know, I might catch it one day on a plane, but um Yeah. Good know. airplane movie. That's yeah, what I'll put this on. Uh, but I'm I don't think I'm gonna rush out to see it. I think I yeah. I think I'm I'm pretty good. Because I was already kind of like, uh, but now that I hear this, because like I trust your opinion on stuff, especially when it comes to like blockbusters, because I think you kind of take a little bit more of a level headed opinion than a lot of like Twitter reaction people and like Right. It's just I don't know. I mean I'm um, sure I'm sure it's probably better than I'm expecting, but it's also there's it's a, not it's not a, a train wreck of, i just sort of left it being like out right now and yeah. i have to choose my battles and um i also just want to go see the night house so that's what i'm gonna go see tomorrow um so i want to definitely talk about annette for a bit which um by the time this episode comes up i believe it's going to be on amazon prime this yes. weekend yeah um it comes, out on, comes out tomorrow yeah yeah on, on prime Josh Martin and I talked about it briefly just from like an objective news standpoint because it got kind of a divisive reception at Cannes where it premiered. Um, 
I really like this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's very weird. This is obviously we've talked about it it's so Leo's many times Carax. on the show. Yeah, it's it's the new musical from Leo Carax, the French director. Do you like his stuff? I feel like people, yes, I people do. either Holy love Motors, him or hate him. Holy, okay. Holy Motors is the shit. Uh, Bad Blood is honestly a, one of my favorite like older French. I hate saying older French films. It was made in 1986, but like. Yeah. Um, it was also back when I was allowed to be attracted to Denis Levant before he got old. Um, mm. but like, yeah, I like I like Leos Carax. He Lovers he, on the Bridge. The yeah. I, I that love that one. Um, um, you know, it's just I think he just creates very. I mean, it's all weird. It is. He he he's someone who makes very very big bold sort of stylistic choices yeah. and it, that like the kind where it's like, but if you go with them, you'll enjoy the movie. Else doing. Yeah, Ever. he he takes big swings, and it's like if you can get on the vibe of the movie, you're really gonna like it. But they're the kind of swings where it's like you're you, like it's it's is does this work for you or does it not? You're and if with it doesn't it from work the for jump, you, you'll or hate it. You are annoyed the entire time. Yeah, exactly. And so this musical stars Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard. It's written um, both the screenplay and all the music, and it is written by the group Sparks, who. Um, there's the really fun and kind of interesting, I think as someone who wasn't familiar with their music, interesting Edgar Wright documentary about Oh, them so now we're out. good with music movies. Okay, I see. Well, just it was I a know. documentary, I'm... so I would I'd rather just learn in a documentary. Like <laughs> every every male filmmaker has a music documentary at this point. Like, let's be real here. Yeah. So I'll 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 so would you I, make your you... what would your music doc or music pick be? Ooh. Mine would be this, I would this... I would do an I would do an ABBA film. Oh, can I pay to see that now? Yeah, I would either do that or I would do, I mean, I would have, or Dolly, like a Dolly partner, a Loretta Wynn, like a women yeah. country movie. Like I could, I could slay that shit. I would probably do an adaptation of um, Lizzie Goodman's incredible book, uh, Meet Me in the Bathroom from a few years back, which is all about the kind of like New York rock scene of the early and mid 2000s covering Ooh. groups like the strokes and i mean they're from las vegas but the killers and arcade fire and yeah. lcd sound system and that whole movement that kind of came, that whole movement of rock music that came out the around the 2000s called lds sound system <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i just thought of that wow i'm sorry um, it's the first thing i think of when i think of them <laughs> So I mean, back back to Annette. Um, yeah, I suppose... what is this movie? I don't know what it is, but also at the same time, don't tell me because I want to yes, find I'm, out. Yes, this tomorrow. is the vague um bit I'm going to describe it as. So I'm. It basically stars Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard play a pair of performers who are big celebrities. He is a very provocative stand-up comedian. She is a world-renowned opera singer. The movie begins. They are in love, so in love. They have a song that's literally called "We Love Each Other So Much." Um, that love, as as love happens for many couples out in this crazy world, you know, comes together with the birth of a child. A child. That's a puppet. That's a puppet. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Which hear is about one that. of the kind of big stylistic swings that, like, I I I kind of laughed at it and then was sort of like weirdly moved by it. But like, I have seen some people Listen, on Twitter who were Ch like, "Seed of Chucky did it seventeen years ago." <sighs> And then also had that child become transgender, which totally, <laughs> totally has aged wonderfully. 
Um, yeah, so they they have this puppet that's, or you know, this baby that is played by a a kind of wooden puppet. And hey, it's better than the last Twilight movie. <laughs> it's better than the baby doll in American Sniper. I mean, at least they're acknowledging it. Wait, is it already on Prime? Sorry, I'm on IMDb right now. It's already up. Go, go watch it, people, please. Oh, it's, I might actually... What a joy. <laughs> Deadass might watch this tonight. Um, Yeah, so then I guess the last bit I will give is... What's the is, style of music in it are we talking about? Because I'm, I'm not familiar with Sparks. It's very pop. I kind of wasn't sure because they are more of like an art rock group. And it is... I, I would say the story of this movie is it's very operatic. I mean, th- this 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 is like Isn't a rock she an opera. opera like she's straight. Marion Cotillard, yeah, yeah, is an opera singer, and so th- this movie is kind of like an op an opera tragedy in its sort of construction. Um, the music. Um, I was actually describing this to my cousin who got you know is a musical performer and music teacher himself Mm -hmm. and i was sort of describing like it's a little bit like something like umbrellas or shaborg where there's not really like songs but people are singing dialogue but yet the harmonies and the way that dialogue is constructed is in these very like catchy pop song um style so it's kind of like musically a like an homage to Umbrellas of Cherbourg in the same way that like La La Land was the visual kind of like parable. sort of, but it, you know how the songs in Umbrellas of Cherbourg they're not. It's just sort of people singing yeah. there. It's not like it that uh, or kind like of like rent, enti- like any sort of like neo opera, like rock opera type thing, right? Except imagine like like, like there are sections and scenes in this movie where the the words they are singing is like stuck in my head all this past week because it is written in this very catchy, like so like top right. forty okay, cool. radio yeah. pop song way. Um, so that's that's the kind of give you an an idea of mm-hmm. it. They're not like big ballads or so it really big... is an opera. So that's yeah, cool. that's actually really cool because I mean that takes a lot more musical writing prowess than just like shoving a couple songs in there listen i love mamma mia here we go again but let's not pretend like right it, you know like yeah the jukebox and musical was the same thing yeah no it it's this is i think <clears throat> one of my favorite movie musicals i've seen in a while and i guess the last bit of information i'll give is you know in celebrity couples i will say that trouble arises when one star falls and all of a sudden the sort of uh the balance of fame and the relationship isn't 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 perfectly equal on both sides and then we learn that little baby annette has some some special gifts and is someone going to uh are are the people around her going to uh use those special gifts for the betterment of their own celebrity status um yeah that's about as vague as i can be without fully giving away the stuff that happens in this movie um but I I think everyone's great in it. This is maybe Rivals Marriage Story is the best like acting I've seen from Adam Driver. Okay. I mean, this I kind definitely of never is realized... more of a big swing I can definitely I can see of like it's yeah. a bigger like doing a bombic film is incredibly different from taking on a Leo's Carax picture. Like that's incredibly yeah. different. This um, this is 
I, I kind of haven't been able to th- stop thinking this past week of like, I never quite realized how big of a person he is. He's like, he's huge. He's a, he's a former Marine. Like he's, he's like, like a bull in this movie. He's just this like hulking he's what, six, four probably. Yeah. This six, like oh, very six, two. I'm taller than Adam driver. Oh, <gasps> He he feels like he's like seven feet tall. And well, he's is, got a long face. Yeah, he's he's this just like very tall, very hulking presence in this at movie. The end of the the Tim Burton Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when Mike TV comes out at the end and he's stretched out really far. <laughs> That's just Adam Driver now. That kid except to be except Adam if you like that height, but then like you know the 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 bit in but the free guy the previews. Where like the really like ripped body bolt builder yeah. Ryan Reynolds, like there there is I kind of never realized how cut Adam Driver is. Oh my god! This movie. Oh my god! Yeah, he definitely is. He always has been. I mean, even back when he was on Girls, I never yeah. watched Girls, but I do remember seeing a lot of uh, screenshots of that. There's there's a lot. I would say if anyone has any Adam Driver crushes out there, there's a lot of uh partial nude, if not mostly fully nude. Yeah, Adam how, Driver in so this movie. um everyone keeps talking about um the oral sex scene where he's singing during it and everyone's like, Oh my God, it's the first time that anyone's been like talking during an oral sex scene. And I'm like, no one has seen Carrie. How does it compare to the, uh, to the oral sex scene in Carrie where uh, Chris Harkinson is, is talking about how much she wants to kill Carrie white while she's Um, better or worse. Brian De Palma is listening. It doesn't go on for as long, but I would say is made me laugh just as much. That's fair. (laughs) At least he's singing. As someone who thinks Brian De Palma movies are really funny, and so, I hope one day we get to so talk wacky. about him. On this I watched Phantom of the Paradise for the first time a couple months ago, and I was like, "What is this movie?" But wow. also, I loved it because I also love Jessica. Yeah, Harper. that's 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 so a good. that's a pure Hunter movie if there ever was yeah. one. I'm not a big and fan it, of horror comedies, but it's a good horror comedy. Yeah, and I and I think you'll really enjoy Annette. I I had a fun time. I was a little worried. Some of the reaction I had heard from people who didn't like it at Cannes was just that it was. I, I think made it sound a little bit more austere and kind of alienating than it is. And it, it just is sounds a, very French. It just sounds right, like and it, it is just a, sounds like a Leo's Carax movie. Yeah, and it is very very weird. But I think you know if you like something like Holy Motors, like there's so much kind of like sensory pleasure and and like i said there is a very like pop sensibility to all the music in it and it is it's wild it's weird it's dark it's wacky but like i don't know i just it it's one of the movies this year where i walked out and it was just like that was an experience and even the bits of it that did not quite work for me like i'm i'm glad that there's just someone who's like swinging for the rafters like he is and that was like a really entertaining he's like a little he's like a more ethereal like less nihilistic gaspar in a way in a way yeah and that like you don't want to die when you see his movies but they definitely are something yeah i'm really excited now that i found out that they put it up early (laughs) yes but uh, i i look forward to hearing your opinions and i i hope everyone else checks it out this weekend because it's it's one of my favorites of the year other things on streaming uh from another festival from a something else yeah Um, we're gonna talk about coda let's talk about coda what did you think of coda because i don't i think we're on the same wavelength yeah we're like it's good it's very pleasant but it's not like show-stopping in a way because there are it is still, despite the fact that it is an indie film, pretty mm-hmm. much other than the fact that it's a remake of a French film, which meant that it had to get French funding for the most part. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that's why Pathé and Vendoma um, funded it as opposed to like a major oh. studio. However, the original film was very controversial because all of the I deaf characters <laughs> were played by, for I think one of them was played by an actual deaf actor, but the rest were all from hearing actors. So this one definitely took a couple, a few more like, like better swings at it. I have read some criticism of the film too from some deaf people about like the way in which they portray like kind of I think a lot of people okay well well, first of all film coda stands for child of deaf adults it's about a a girl who has deaf parents and a deaf brother and she's the only one who can hear and oh wow guess what she can sing that's not going to be alienating at all but like I think a lot of the criticism I have seen levied against it is that like the deaf parents and like family in it are like immediately dismissive of her like passion mm-hmm. because they can't be involved in it or like they're consistently needing her to like interpret and it's like there's right. so many different like especially i heard a lot of people complaining about the courtroom scene and the doctor's office scenes where it's just like we can like those are non-issues for us we're going right. to be provided you know something of that nature and how it's just sometimes looking down a little bit on it i didn't actually get that vibe but also at the same time i'm not someone it, who has to deal with the politics of it does kind of deaf. fit in with like th- there were there are and when we get into a little bit of the nitty-gritty of the movie like that there are moments in the movie where i was like i don't know i feel like we're overcomplicating this issue this yes. feels like something some people could kind of figure out in a few if few they minutes. were just adults for five seconds you know right and it was just i mean like, the, the other like perfect example which is like not involving the deaf family is um, I mean, I, I should back up. We we kind of mentioned this movie on an earlier episode. Christy Strauss and I talked about Sundance. Yeah. This was kind of the breakout movie of the Sundance It was the Film biggest Festival. acquisition at Sundance ever. $25 yeah, Apple, million. Dollars. Apple really throwing their money around and announcing that they're here to play by spending that kind of cash on this yeah. movie. Um, typically, I don't know about you. Like, I... I heard a lot of praise about this out of Sundance, but I also heard some, I heard a couple lukewarm opinions and then a lot of other people like myself who were maybe had a little bit of their kind of like worry BS thermometers going off a little bit just because Sundance is one of those festivals where the joke is like the altitude does it for people. Although this past year it was all virtual, but it is the kind of festival that, there is a certain kind of movie that plays like gangbusters there. It's that... either like incredibly niche and super like alienating or polarizing, or it is mm-hmm. like Coda where I can't argue with it, but I also can't like say that it's doing an, a ton that's like new. Right. The, it's a, the... It is a crowd pleasing movie. Had this been picked yes. up by like focus or someone that would have put it in theaters. And, you know, obviously this whole thing with COVID going on, like, you know like hadn't done it in i think or like searchlight would have killed releasing this movie mm-hmm. but like it's it is very it, it is another exceedingly earnest movie yeah the the kind of like it's also one of the com- most dangerous depictions of high school chorus i've ever seen and i think they should <laughs> apologize for it yeah that i mean it's the nom. kind of movie it's 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 like a uh you know those coming of age stories particularly if there's kind of like a quirky family dynamic those play like you know a, imagine your favorite band at like the height of their powers playing the super bowl like that's how these movies play at sundance yeah. and you know when those movies come out into the 
you know, the the world outside Sundance, the reception isn't always as kind of like that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. No, and, it's not an emotional. I mean, it, it it definitely pulls at some heartstrings, but like it's not an emotional tour de force. It's not doing anything incredibly new. It's just no. good. I mean, it's it's it, that's the thing. I sound like I'm ragging on it. I enjoyed this film. I thought it was. Quite I good. I liked it as well. There were certainly I, some moments where I was like, "Oh, this feels a little like." A I even got Disney-fied. choked up twice. There's two moments at the end that I don't great won't spoil musical, for anyone who hasn't watched it. any of them, other than to say that. Um, you know, one of them has to do with. Uh, oh, I'm I'm looking up the song now. It's the Joni the, Mitchell song, right? Yeah, the Joni the Joni Mitchell. Um, I believe it's called Both Sides. Uh, I'm not familiar. With something. So I believe that's the name of it. But there there is a Joni Mitchell song that's used in a, a kind of like I I admit objectively like very hand fisted way that is very very like tear literally but... she was making fi- she was doing sign language <laughs> but it worked on me and then there's another yeah. moment that is is i think actually genuinely like very like nuanced and tender and sweet that i got really choked up the at scene but... with the dad on the truck yeah yeah that got me too that, I oh mean, yeah no. and you and i are pretty like cold people and like yeah, that's actually a i was beautiful just like moment. i hate this because i'm feeling something and it's it's like and it, it it is one of those movies that's kind of not so manipulative but i can see i can see the game it's playing i'm like yes. i see you ahead of time you're not gonna get me bitch. i, I, I was laughing does... when the joni mitchell song while also finding back the tears because I, I was like, like these oh. these guys right here i know the game you're playing and and I've like I haven't fully felt the emotion of this movie until this moment, and I see what you're doing, yeah. and it's so manipulative, but it's working. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, I see what you're doing. You're not gonna get me, bitch. And then they got me. I was like, shit. Yeah. But like, yeah. Both sides now. That's um, the name also, of the Johnny Mitchell one song. other weird point. I think it's time we just kind of come to terms that Eugenio Derbez is is pretty much the Mexican Kevin Hart, <laughs> and that. No matter what, I need you to elaborate on this take. (laughs) In that, a lot of people love him, and a lot of people love his humor, and he can be good and serious things like this. But there always has to be a singular part of him that is just annoying. (laughs) He's he's good in this movie, but there's just some things with his character. I don't know if it's something he had control over. Um, I had a pretty rough. Uh, I had a pretty not rough. I had a tough high school chorus teacher. She really pushed us. If this mm-hmm. man treated me the way that he treated some of these kids, I would have hit him. I yelled. At, I yelled at my. I course, say that's that's my kind of. I like, yelled at my course teacher once. I've yelled at my course teacher for a lot less in front of everybody, and I didn't get in trouble for it. But like at the same time, you talk to me like that, I'm gonna go home and tell my mom, and she's gonna write a very strongly worded letter. I, I have to say, like, that that's, like, a perfect example of what I was kind of hinting at earlier. There was some, like, moments of conflict in this movie where I was like, I don't know. Can people just not work this out? Like, yeah. there, there's a bit of, like, the... You're wasting my the, time. You're late. It's like, she can literally sit there and explain to him literally the reasons that she's late. And if he says anything against it, he's an ableist asshole. Right. Like, there's a moment of conflict in the movie where the the sort of main uh protagonist i forget the the girl's name but the teenage girl who's sort of the center of the movie where she is she's having to do some um 
vocal rehearsals with her music teacher and he's very strict about like i i want you to be on time you're being late and there's a moment of conflict where her family needs her to help interpret because their fishing business that they're trying to start up their fishing co-op uh the news is coming to interview them and they need her to act as interpreter with the news anchors and the girl being like she's getting texts from the music teacher that's like are you on your way it's late and i'm like i don't know i feel call like if you him. just text it <laughs> yeah, call him just like... and explain the situation <laughs> and if he says no report him to your principal because that is literally a denial of like ada like Thing. Or at least be like, is it okay if we do it at four instead of three? And I'm pretty sure he'll be like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> or a normal person would. There are definitely right. some. There are definitely some movie isms in this that just kind of are just like, I don't think this would happen in real life. This is definitely like played up for a story that doesn't have an insane amount of conflict because it is just a lovely film. It doesn't, yes. it's, it's something, it is not something that's going to stress you out that much. It doesn't do much. It, it is a very heartfelt, lovely film. But because of that, when they do have to have some conflict, it's just kind of like, Oh, the conflict in the movie feels care? very, very forced yeah. at times. Um, But I, the things I really like about it are a lot of the like little details that you can tell are just like brought upon by experience or like being around people who are deaf like the example that comes to mind is i love when the scene where the parents come to pick her up at school and they're listening to like a rick ross song on full yeah. blast and i was like of course like i guarantee you i like i'm sure so many people i mean feel free to call me out on twitter if i'm wrong but i feel like so many people who probably are deaf like really like hip-hop music like that because they can feel the vibrations from the beats. And she was so afraid because, like, she was getting bullied by these mean girls. Why didn't she kick their ass? <laughs> Isn't the whole thing with all these kids on TikTok now? It's like, who can be the most woke? Why are you making fun of the girl with the deaf parents? What the fuck? Kick her ass. Like, literally just slap her. Like, I don't get why that was a conflict in this film of, like, oh, people think I'm weird because I have deaf parents. Tell them to shut the fuck up yeah literally just fight people i mean or just like be just like send it right back to people is how i got through high school like yeah dang. so i mean like i i i guess i the things i really like about it is i love the kind of interpersonal dynamics between yeah. her and her family and that feels so fully realized and so and nuanced they're and all detailed wonderful and yeah they're all Marley terrific Matlin actors um I, I really appreciated her friend who wanted to have sex with her brother because I really related with her <laughs> because I too. <laughs> um, no, like it was, they were just all really good. And I think it is another, like, I think it's another one of those films kind of in the same vein as like A Quiet Place or pretty much any other movie with a deaf character, which aren't many. Um, that shows that like just because characters aren't talking doesn't mean that they're not expressive mm -hmm. like i was talking with my friend like yeah or in that sense of like i feel like so many people like view subtitles and sign language as like a hindrance to storytelling and this shows it really it's not it's just you just yeah. don't want to read and like this was also it's... i think i know in the few theaters they released it in all of them had open captions for the whole thing which i think is yeah. a great bit of accessibility but like it it it, it does a lot and shows a lot that of how disability can 
work within a film in a way that isn't fetishizing that isn't mm-hmm. like grief porn or like oh I feel sorry for us it's like no these are it's just a real story or I mean it's not a real story let's yeah. be real here it is very manufactured but it's not in it's not insincere in yeah it's interesting you bring that up because I was talking with my my cousin the other day and he him and his wife had just watched it like the the same night that I had and he mentioned that um he had just watched like sound of metal on a plane while like flying out to visit and he was like mentioned kind of what you were saying of like not thinking about how kind of like visual and kind of like dynamic and kind of like interesting to watch kind of like the communicating that um people in the deaf community do well it's very what? it's over the top in terms of facial expressions and things like right, that it, it's so expressive it with is, like the like yeah. pounding on the tables that the family does and all the kind of like you know the the sort of intense emotions mm-hmm. in like sound of metal and and how those like come out in sort of sign language and stuff like that and he was just like it's just it's so much of uh it's much more like visual and cinematic than he like had ever realized yeah. it, and, well, until he saw these two movies it. close together. And yeah. it's like people who aren't intimate, who don't like intimately have like deaf family or deaf friends, they're not going to know that. And I think that just comes across so much in, in movies where it's like, there's usually, if there is a deaf or hard of hearing or just generally disabled, like person with disabilities, they're always just the token one and in this film seeing it at the center of like the token one is the one who can hear right it's mm-hmm. an interesting like kind of flipping it on its head and it, but also like at the same time still very earnest very universal story i think i mean it's a huge crowd pleaser but at the same time yeah i feel like a lot of people use crowd pleaser as an insult but i was i'm a part of that crowd maybe i'm I, not yeah away i would saying, say it's a it's a crowd i don't know how many people have it's not checked gonna be it out my top on of apple the year, but no like, um it, it 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 is it is a a solid like feel good movie if you I would breathe say. in any direction or buy anything at any store ever apple will give you a six month free <laughs> trial so like I just got uh, with my new PlayStation. They're like, "Do you want six months of Apple?" I was like, "I already have it," and they were like, "Here, have it anyway." That'll come in handy was, for the uh, the Macbeth movie. Yeah, I was like, "Okay, cool, I'll take that." Like, sure. So it's not hard. Also, Apple TV is surprisingly not expensive compared to like Netflix and things like that. Granted, the scope is a lot smaller in what you can mm-hmm. stream versus what you can buy, but like, still good stuff on there. Surprisingly good stuff. Yeah. So I guess I guess I'll wrap us up before before leaving of like you and I talk a lot about awards and I I think there was a little bit of because the movie got such a sort of big reception out of Sundance I think a lot of people were tapping it as like oh could this be the kind of like no. indie pick no no it's yeah not indie I'm, I'm I'm kind of with it you it feels I, so much like a studio film it just happens to be independently produced. Yeah, I, I, I think I, maybe this could be a movie that might get spirit? some like indie spirit awards. Yeah, yeah spirit but awards, I, I think it'll kill at you know, especially with like the acting awards and I think maybe some like screenplay awards. The Oscars again all depends on how this fall goes. Who yeah, knows I just have a feeling released. this this next year's Oscars are going to be a lot of big movies and a lot of like very if if not maybe not big as in like their franchise blockbusters, but like 
big studio movie star yeah. movies to see in a movie theater. Like I was thinking, we don't have time to get fully into it today, but I was thinking about the fall movie slate, which feels a little bit, feels pretty art house except for a few titles yeah. and that there's still a lot of like very big movie star driven movies that I, I think a lot of studios are holding on for of like, no, we are going to make this an event movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I already like... feel, I already feel MGM pushing house of Gucci more than a lot of, I mean, they're pushing, I right. feel like they've pushed it more in the past two weeks. And I feel like they pushed for respect and pretty much it's entire, a yeah. very extended marketing run of like the first trailer that came out with cats like two years ago. Jeez, because I remember seeing so Cats long. with my friend and seeing that trailer beforehand, and I went, they're showing that trailer so they distract you and let you know that Jennifer Hudson's career is going to recover from this. Wow. Well. She was defending I've... that movie the other day, and I was like, honey, you're not under contract anymore. You don't Stop. have to be it's nice. okay. You don't have to be nice <laughs> about it anymore. It's okay. You can say it's shit. We all think it is. Well, un unlike Cats, I think we would both sort of, you know, recommend and it. Yeah, I think what we both weren't didn't fully think the movie lived up to the kind of like insane Sundance hype. I think we would both recommend anyone check out Coda. It's so especially if they want fluttery. like a good, sweet, yeah. crowd pleasing, feel good movie. If you're just a jaded bitch like me, sometimes you just need that to bring you down a little bit. Just bring and who you, doesn't love Joni Mitchell? Just cut you down to size. Joni Mitchell, Marley Matlin, who wouldn't love her? She's sick. She's been cool for a long time um so yeah it's a it's a it's a good film i think i think i focused a little bit more on the things that it didn't quite live up to but also like there is a lot to there's a lot to love it's a there's more to recommend than there's movie. to not recommend yeah. yeah it's just that like a lot of the things that are good are just things that like make a lot of movies good you know yeah they're not like super unique elements but also I feel like the movie, the movie's existence in and of itself is unique. So, yeah. Well, Hunter, we look forward to having you back on the show, especially as the fall season kicks off. Hell yeah. Save me for that House of Gucci episode. Oh, you're, we'll, we'll put you on the calendar. Uh, 